A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So, tennis podcast time, folks, and... Rafael Nadal has lost a set of tennis. That has happened. First time since 2015. Boris Becker's record survives. Catherine Whitaker was there to witness every last drop of it. And was he saved by the rain, Catherine? That is the first question I want to ask you. Well, yeah, to what degree he was saved, we'll never know, David, because we won't have the sliding doors uh, um, type scenario of, of knowing the two outcomes. But yeah, to an extent, he absolutely was saved by the rain. He was a he was a set and a breakdown, and Diego Schwartzman was showing showing no signs of of relenting. It's not like he was clinging on for dear life. You know that that first set that Schwartzman ended up up winning, he had the break and was broken back several times. You know, it's it's not uncommon for for the the, the underdog player to to unexpectedly go break up uh, in in a set early on, and you think, oh my goodness, what's happening here? And then. Quickly enough, normal services resumed. All of their self belief uh, is sapped away, and uh, it, it all uh, tumbles away from them very quickly. Not so Diego Schwartzman. Uh, he had the he broke. I think he might have had to break three times in that opening set. I'm willing to be corrected because I was only able to watch in and out. Um, but anyway, he was standing up to the sort of mental scrutiny of the of the what must have been overwhelming situation of being uh, a set up against Rafael Nadal. Unfortunately, uh, leading by a break early on, I think he was leading 3-1 or 3-2 when they were called off, 3-2 maybe, when they were called off uh, for rain in the second set, came back on, Rafael Nadal processed to the next few games and at the time they were next called off for rain, which ended up being the last time they were called off for the evening, Nadal was leading 5-3, but... Uh, yeah, to whatever extent, yes, Nadal was partially saved by the rain. Now, as we sort of forensically try to analyse what went on in that match and how we got to a situation where Nadal has lost the first set against Diego Schwartzman, I think, first of all, we've got to look at the play of Diego Schwartzman. And I think we also have to recognise that there were no smithereens in sight no. in that first set, Catherine, were there? Not a smithereen in sight, no. I, I couldn't be more pleased to be proven wrong 
Um, I I couldn't I couldn't wish for a a a, a better or more worthy man to humiliate me <laughs> than Diego Schwartzman. <laughs> I hope Rafael Nadal feels the it. same. Not <laughs> not that he was humiliated at all. Uh, in the set and a half of tennis that they played, uh, but he was he was just brilliant. He was just absolutely brilliant, and the crowd are loving him. Honestly, the 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 it must be something in the Argentine Argentine blood that that is able to to galvanise a crowd. You know, we've we've tried to hit upon what it is that Del Potro has that gets people behind him, and and as much as we can sort of point to specific at- attributes, we always conclude that it's something. Something um, ethereal or, you know, impalpable in some way. And Diego Schwartzman, in a very, very different, rather shorter way, (laughs) has a bit of the same, doesn't he? Gets people behind him. He makes you care. And uh, he had a tactic, David. I mean, Mats Verlander in the Eurosport commentary box was absolutely loving it because he he had a game plan and he stuck to it. I heard him actually talking in an interview during one of the rain delays and he was he was you could see the frustration about a guy like Richard Gasquet who we who we talked about before Simon was making points about him yesterday in the podcast that was a fantastic show by the way with, with you guys just outside the press room as it was all coming and going and I I sense that that that's something Matt's loved is that is that you know it wasn't just somebody just coming out and waving a white flag it was I'm coming out to get you, Rafa. <laughs> if you can deal with me, little Diego, then good luck to you. But I'm coming. I'm going to bring it. Yeah, he's and, like, and I'm the guy that won a seven-love tiebreak against Kevin Anderson. You should fear me. Yeah. Diddy Diego. It's Diddy fantastic. Diego. And, and, and he, I mean, he was buzzing all around the court. He is so fast. It is like watching one of those cartoons with the Roadrunner, as though you've just sort of got a little cloud of smoke where his legs are going because they're going so quickly that they're just whipping up the dust off the off the dirt track of the clay court on Philippe Chatrier court. And and also he's got the power to go with it. That is that is what I think really gets crowds, you know. And, and this is. This is the thing with Del Potro in a completely different way, as you say, in a tall way, in a gigantic way, but in this sort of slight sloth-like slow motion that Del Potro sometimes moves. There's a there's a slight vulnerability about these guys in completely different ways, and people end up tapping into that sensibility. They end up, as you say, caring about them, and yet they're still giving you hope. If you're supporting Diego Schwartzman, he's giving you hope. But um, no, it was fascinating to to watch the rain intervene so similar to the Rome final mm-hmm. against Alexander Zverev in that way. The the the, the weight of the air, the, the heaviness of the conditions. Well, I also think the, the the weight of the air, and it was a very bizarre day in Paris, like yesterday, but but more so. It felt like felt like we were in Bangkok or something, David. I mean, really, really tropical type warmth and humidity and. Yeah, I mean, for for early June uh, in Northern Europe, it's been incredibly bizarre. The closeness and the stifling heat uh, of of while still being overcast, it's been completely bizarre. Um, but I su- I suspect it was a combination of those conditions not suiting Rafa at all, and also the mental effect of that 
fact having on each of them Rafa would have known hang on a second this isn't ideal for me I think it probably made him a bit nervous and Diego Schwartzman would have gone hang on a minute if I could have asked for any conditions at all this is exactly what I would have gone for brilliant so mm. that those combined factors the the weather itself and then the sort of second guessing of of the the impact that would have in the minds of both players sort of doubly heightened the impact of the conditions. I believe, David, tomorrow it's going to be less damp. I think it's still going to be overcast. It's not going to be the ideal Rafael Nadal conditions, you know, the hot, sunny, pingy off the court conditions, but I believe it's going to be a bit less heavy and, uh, and humid. So where that leaves us... I don't know. I don't know. Probably with the Rafael Nadal victory, I think. I suspect the odds overnight are still very, very heavily in favour of Nadal, but... Well, he's he's just two points away, isn't he, from levelling the match now, 5-3, But, I mean, the other big talking point was the treatment that he received. I think he had a medical timeout, didn't he? And, And he had... What, initially, I saw him having his right wrist and forearm strapped, and then it, it, it later became apparent that actually he'd had both of his wrists and forearms strapped, taped up, basically. And, you know, the alarm bells are ringing. You're thinking, well, this is a guy who two years ago had to withdraw from this tournament halfway through it because of a left wrist problem, and he wasn't the same again all year. He didn't play, basically, again. And... I think many of us wonder whether his career was done at that point. And we've had that thought once or twice. Well, what a comeback he's made. And it really was jolting, wasn't it, to see him get that sort of treatment. Then what happened after that, Catherine? Because when they came back after the rain delay, Simon Reid in the Eurosport commentary box had been talking to Alex Koretscha. Turns out that, or at least in the view of Alex, not an injury at all, that this was an issue of of sweat getting onto his hands and he wanted to have some thick tape to mop it all up. So, you know, intrigue surrounds Nadal. And of course, we don't get to hear from him in his post-match press conference because he hasn't finished the match. So, yeah, we we don't know for sure, but that's what what Alex Koretsch says. And, well, he's closer to the situation than most, one would think. It's interesting. Does that officially count as a medical timeout? Preventative... preventative sweat wicking I, I don't know yeah well i mean it shouldn't should it but i suppose what one might say is well who else is going to be able to tape his wrists for him um could tape him himself just, in in the in at the change events i don't know it's certainly an air of mystery on the whole match that i didn't i i don't doubt alex gretch's uh inside and knowledge what I, I potentially doubt is you know how would they tell anyone even Alex Goretzka if there were an injury to to Nadal's wrist if those if those problems that 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 were plaguing him previously were plaguing him once again because the fact is a you don't want to give anything you know Nadal's locker aura at the moment is is buying him several games per match you know his dominance on clay his record on clay recently is such that you know he's walking out onto the court terrifying opponents well unless you're five foot seven inch Diego Schwartzman but those are the facts so giving away any any of that um locker is uh is not advisable and uh and second of all he can probably he can probably not definitely, but probably still win this tournament with a bit of an injury. So why, why, you know, why, I don't know, why give anything away? So uh, 
I I don't know either way, David. I just think that if it were an injury, we probably wouldn't know either. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? No, I just can't see. Somebody made this point to me on Twitter, and I think thought about it, and I thought, well, actually, quite a good point. You don't get two injuries at the same time, do you? <laughs> to, yeah, to both that's of a your very wrists. good point. Unless, and, Unless you're getting tendonitis in both wrists, I mean, it's just you know, it's it's a bit rotten luck, isn't it, Catherine? I mean, you know, if you ended up getting two wrist injuries, that's a very at good the point. Maybe, time. oh gosh, no, hang on, I was just about to inadvertently get myself in very um, uh, dodgy territory with some sort of handcuff-related comment, but uh, no, let's move on quickly. <laughs> uh, with, <laughs> Move now, on, do David. Do I follow move this on. up, listeners? That's the question. Do I do I probe here or do I let it? I think I'll leave it. Uh, let's just leave that one to the imagination, shall we? You know, we'll, we'll give you something else to to get your teeth into in a to, in a second about uh, about uh, Catherine-related stories from today. Oh, uh, but we'll leave that one just there for now. Um, so anyway, I asked uh, I asked on social media what what everybody else thinks was going on with Nadal today. Stephen White said it was a question of Schwartzman playing out of his skin, and he imagines it will continue the way it did after the rain delay with Nadal coming back. John Wood has said he reckons that Nadal was struggling with the pressure. I mean, how could you know? How could you be struggling with pressure after winning ten of these things? But you know, he obviously wants to win another one. Julia Molnar said he seemed very nervous. I, I actually thought that as well. He did look nervous, but I think it's, I think anxiety comes over Nadal a little bit when things aren't going his way. I mean, one of the reasons must be he's so used to winning comfortably. So, you know, uh, this guy was, was stepping up to him. So we'll see. We'll see when they resume. Having won 10 of them and being the odds on favourite, I mean, that's the ultimate pressure, isn't it? He can only disappoint this tournament he cannot possibly surpass expectations there is no scenario for Rafael Nadal this fortnight where he can surprise or surpass expectations in any way if he wins everyone shrugs and goes okay Rafael Nadal is you know as good as we suspected on clay in 2018 and if he loses he's disappointed he's disappointed Mm. us all so it's sort of neutral or lose for Nadal such as his you know the exceptional weight of expectation on him. Yes, well, I can't wait for tomorrow anyway. We're, hopefully the, the weather will play ball and it'll all start oh. at 12 o'clock local time tomorrow. I mean, yeah, three hours earlier than expected, David. Thanks, rain. <laughs> the, the rain, I mean, I know I, I know for Diego Schwartzman, it's, it's probably, you know, he's probably had the worst time of it rain-wise, but... Uh, I think I'm probably second in the queue behind Diego in terms yeah, you, of who's... You probably are, because you, you had a, a little bit of a mishap in the rain today, didn't you? What happened? A rain-related mishap. I fell down some stairs, David. I fell down some oh, stairs. Dear. Yep. You are right. Yep, I'm bandaged up. I am, uh, I'm good to go, like Fabio Fanini against Kyle Edmund. I've had some... Uh, some heavy taping. I'm ready to, you know, make it through to the fourth round now. Fantastic. Yeah. See, nothing stops Catherine Whitaker, Rafa. You know, come on, get your, get your act together. Um, so the, the other match that took place was uh, on the men's side was Marin Cilic against Juan Martin Del Potro today. They are in the first set. So they're five all in the first set tie break. So that one is anybody's. I think they were called off first of all at five games all and then called off second of all at five points all in the tie break. I mean, crikey. Mm. 
Who, who would you bat for that? Um, I'd probably go Del Potro. Del Potro has the four... So I think he has a 10-2 head-to-head against Chilich coming into this one. I mean, obviously, it's no great surprise to see them in a tie-break. Um, Chilich probably in, you know, on paper in the better form um, coming into this French Open, but uh, that was largely because of, you know, Del Potro's hip injury in Rome and him generally just not being talked about because we didn't know how much we could rely on him physically. But so far, I think uh, he had that bizarre match. Was it in the first round or the second? I think the first round. I I apologise. I can't quite remember who it was against, but I remember seeing the very bizarre score. It was against a Frenchman, wasn't it? Was it Mahou? Nicolas Mahou. It was Nicolas Mahou, yeah. yeah. Uh, Very bizarre topsy-turvy scoreline. And the assessment that I um, gleaned from that was that it it took his his hip, that, that sort of, core of his body quite a, a long time to warm up but once it was there uh, he was fine and it's loosened up since then so provided Del Pocho is physically fit and that's always the asterisk ne- next to his name I think probably Del Po I certainly was su- I think Chilich needs that first set yeah I certainly was surprised over when I saw the 10-2 head-to-head I thought it would be a bit more nip and tuck than that but then I sort of went went back through my memory bank and actually realized I couldn't couldn't remember all too many Chilich victories over Delpo I think a lot of them have been close though you know I think Delpo's won most well most of the close ones to go with any that he's won comfortably but um anyway so yes that will happen uh, tomorrow the resumption of that on the women's side Catherine um a, a little bit like the last few days the match that we weren't expecting to deliver well, it delivered. I mean, that's not quite fair, is it? I mean, Halep against Kerber is a cracking match on paper, and it was a cracking match in reality, but it wasn't the one that was getting the hype. The one that was ditching Halep and Kerber to the, the sidelines in terms of attention was Muguruza against Sharapova. And I, I saw your preview with Chris Evert. It was fascinating to hear her view about how she felt physically and game-wise Muguruza was, was the stronger, but Sharapova was was the stronger mentally. And as it turned out, it was an absolute thrashing that Muguruza handed out. It was 6-2-6-1. Yeah, and in what, an hour and 10 minutes? And I think, uh, yeah, about 12 of those minutes were occupied with uh, one game early on in, in the first set. I mean... Yeah, it, I, I spoke to, to Mar- Patrick Moratoglu, Serena Williams' coach, about that match late on this evening. And he was um, pretty scathing <laughs> about Maria Sharapova, I have to say. He said she just didn't show up in that match. He was actually commentating it for, for French Eurosport. And he said uh, on air after the first set that Muguruza won six games to two. Um, and she won it largely, I think, due to Sharapova's errors, her double faults, her just, you know yeah her her just not showing up he said the absolute last thing that's going to happen is that Muguruza will win the second set 6-2 he said there is just no way Sharapova being the competitor that she is will let this be a thrashing she might still lose but it definitely won't be a thrashing and what happened she lost it 6-1 um mm. yeah she wasn't there today she wasn't I mean I think the second set was more about Muguruza being brilliant I think she she relaxed after that first set and she really was great she she had a heavier hit than than uh, Sharapova and if she's out hitting her you know add on top of the fact that we know Muguruza has better movement than than Sharapova particularly on clay then you know that's that's a that's a done deal really but 
um, yeah, I mean, Sharapova's, I mean, in particular her serve, you, she didn't stand a chance today without her serve and it just just wasn't firing. But if there's one thing, you know, everyone has bad days, but on Sharapova's bad days, you never expect her kind of just not to be there. She's always there, you know. You always think she's she's only a millimetre away from getting you into a tussle and it and that wasn't the case today was it it was a it was a vacant Sharapova I mean she was doing doing all the things she usually does you know she was grunting in the warm-up David in the knock-up she was grunting and I thought goodness me (laughs) she is trying to make a statement here and then you know she serves for the first time and it's three double faults in her opening service game and suddenly you're thinking okay maybe she's a bit nervous and she'll settle down and then she gets broken again and and you're just waiting for Maria Sharapova to, to turn up the Maria Sharapova that you know so desperately wants to win that match to prove a point you know Chris Evert said it on air to me today she wants to prove that she can win a grand slam not on Meldonium that's that's her that's her mission statement at the moment. And yeah, for her f- to know how determined she is and the desire she has to do that, for her to put in that performance today is is a bit of an incongruous turn of events, I think. But hey, Muguruza was brilliant. It was it was very interesting to see um, Muguruza's body language, though, because of the way she carries herself generally. But it was, it was as though she was playing her big sister, the way she... Because they physically they're so tall they hit the ball so hard and they both like to intimidate and impose themselves and you just saw them standing toe to toe and teeing off on each other in that first set and Muguruza was just simply better she's just I mean okay maybe it wasn't a good day for Sharapova but Muguruza had an answer for everything she was digging balls out and then turning the tables and dominating and she and she looked the younger woman, the fresher sort of player that's, you know, just a, just a almost Sharapova Mark II. And and it was, I mean, that's not to say Sharapova can't turn that around in the future, but it was really quite jarring to see the way Muguruza was handling her. And um, I was mightily impressed. I, I thought it was a brilliant performance. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Halep against Kerber was was an interesting match. Kerber won the first set on a tiebreaker. Again, I think we saw some mental strength from Simona Halep Ooh, because yes, Kerber was on it today, wasn't she? And and Halep just wasn't having it. Halep was four love down in the first set. I mean, even within that set, I know she ended up uh, going on to lose it, but I was so impressed. You know, she could have just let that set go and gone, uh, I'll fight for this in sets two and three. Um but she didn't. She fought for it. She showed Angelique Kerber that I'm in this. I'm I'm not going to wilt under the pressure. This isn't going to be a Simona Halep not showing up moment. You know, we talked about, um, I think it was our podcast after the Rome final, that there have been too many instances from Simona Halep, too many days when she's just not shown up, you know, put in, you know, 6-1, 6-2, 6-2, 6-2 type losses and... You know, she showed Angelique Kerber in that first set, that's not going to be today. You might beat me, but that's that's not going to happen today. And uh, I love that from Simona Halep. And yeah, six three six two in the second and third sets. And oh, I just think she's amazing, David. I think for her to be doing what she's doing with the... With the scar tissue she must have from her previous finals, from, from this... This time last year, I think the scar tissue is probably least from the Australian Open final because, you know, she knows she left absolutely everything out there and it sort of just was completely on a knife edge. But the the final here last year, setting a break up, points for four love, I think, against Yelena Ostapenko or 4-1, certainly points for, yeah. And, yeah, I think she's amazing. I think she's amazing. It would have been, you know, pretty easy for her to have bowed out on long then today uh, against uh, Angelique Kerber who played brilliantly you know for her to have just not quite shown the fight and made the statement that she did um but she's you know she is made of strong strong stuff Simona Halep and uh, oh goodness me Halep against Muguruza in the yeah, semi final oh. what do you got do you know what I, I I've been doing all these um uh, sort of talking heads interviews with um, you know all of our various pundits uh, at Eurosport Chris Everett Kim Kleisters and Patrick Moratogli today talking through those two semi-finals and usually I would ask for predictions at the end but I, I didn't I just don't think it's fair <laughs> I really nobody knows honestly people aren't just sitting on the fence in a, a David Law-esque way they genuinely right. don't know particularly about the Muguruza Halep one I think I think broadly, I think if people had to pick, they'd be going for Sloane Stevens in the All-American Clash. But Muguruza Halep, I'm not sure anybody is prepared to really... Who are you picking? I'm picking Stevens. I just think she's almost impossible to beat at the moment. <laughs> really, I think I think Simon uh, Briggs might have been onto something, you know. I think it might have, this, it might turn out to be the greatest non-prediction 
in tennis podcast predictions history. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm certainly picking Stevens tomorrow. Oh, I was trying. I was trying to talk, talk, talk myself let, let around. Let me give you there. a bit of info. Uh, the, the head-to-head is three-one in favour of Muguruza, and the one match they've had on clay was in Stuttgart. Halep won it three-six, six-one, six-three. So three sets of there. Indoor the clay, most though, match. isn't it? It's difficult to know yeah, how much different. read into that. And again, you don't know which Halep's going to turn up because the last time they played in Cincinnati last year, six-one-six love for Muguruza. Oh, I think um, I think the right Halep will show up. Whatever happens, whoever me wins, too. I think I think it'll be a contest. I think the right Halep I think it's will show be an up. Absolute humdinger. Yeah, belter. I really do. I do too. Uh, I, I think Steve, Stevens will take out Keys, in my opinion, on this surface. I think if you stuck it on grass, and if Keys had a good day, I'd back her. Um, you know, and 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 you could probably pick pick your odds on a hard court, but but on a clay court, I think Stevens is such a clever, canny player. I mean, Keys would just have to have to just blast her off the court in order to beat Stevens, and I just I just She'd don't have see to that happening for long. Go enough. out there, like just determined to not make any rallies last more than three shots. No, yeah, you know, no, it just I has agree. to be one two punch, boom done and hey if she can do that good luck to her um but yeah. doing that consistently for two sets is is a heck of an ask yeah i, I i'm going stevens and i don't know <laughs> well i'm going Halep just because i said she'd reach uh, she'd win the title but then i have to say i did not expect Muguruza to be playing this level of tennis so catherine anyway you go and put your feet up by the way quality name dropping earlier the old chris everett chris kim oh, Kleister's, yeah. patrick moritogli big very well done with that. um go and put your David, allow, yeah, allow me some name Yeah, go and put your feet up. Go and have the cheese board. Uh, hotel cheese board awaits, Catherine. I'm just going to tell you very quickly, listeners, about some results in Surbiton today, where Dan Evans reached the quarterfinals, having qualified for the tournament. I mean, that is a good result from him, as did Gabby Taylor, the uh, young British player who's making waves. She actually beat Heather Watson in the first round. Good win for her. Uh, tomorrow, Katie Swan is in action against Harriet Dart, and Katie Bolter is playing as well, both trying to get to the quarterfinals. That is it for another daily edition of the Tennis Podcast uh, from. Roland Garros, certainly in the case of Catherine Whitaker. Uh, we'll be back with more tomorrow. This was our 12th one, our 12th daily. We hope you've enjoyed them. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell everybody you know about the tennis podcast. Get our listening figures up. They're flying, I'm telling you. We're delighted with how it's going. We've been produced in association with The Telegraph, with Melanie Bowes, our executive producer, with tennisballs.com, with Triple S, with our uh, mascot, uh, of course. Charlie the Ferret, and we'll be back tomorrow. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 